we're about to look at who could win the North American Car of the Year award. This is AutoLine. We talk about all kinds of issues on this program, but there's nothing more important than what this auto industry is really all about, and that is the products that it makes. On today's show, we're going to be looking at the major new cars that have come out so far this year in the American market. Joining me on my journalist panel today are Natalie Neff from Auto Week magazine and Mark Phelan with the Detroit Free Press. I asked Mark and Natalie to join me today because they, like me, are members of the jury for the North American Car of the Year Award. It's an award that's really emerged as the most prestigious one to win for the car companies because it's not tied to any kind of advertising or marketing promotion. We're a jury of nearly 50 journalists from throughout the United States and Canada who work for magazines and newspapers, television and radio stations, newsletters and websites. We report and write on cars for all different kinds of audiences. Enthusiasts, commuters, families, even executives. In other words, we do the best job of considering all kinds of car buyers when we select the North American Car of the Year Award. So stick around, because we're going to talk about all of the most significant cars that have come out so far this year, right after this. From our studios in the Motor City, this is AutoLine. Here now is John McElroy. Welcome to our discussion all about the North American Car of the Year Award with Mark Phelan from the Detroit Free Press and Natalie Neff from Ottawa. Great to have you both here. Thank, Thank you. you, John. Okay, we've got a list of cars that have come out so far this year. We're not going to get to all the cars today because we're only going to talk about the ones that we've pretty much been in. Mark, as you look out over the, the landscape there, what are the right cars? What, what's coming out now that's perfect for the, the, the disaster that we're in, in in this marketplace? You know, it, it doesn't take a genius to say small fuel efficient. I mean, you know, one of the companies that is just in the right place at the right time this year is Honda, I think. I mean, they, they've in got what a, way? What car are they, you talking they've about? They've got a new version of the Fit coming. That's the smallest car they sell in North America. It's a very good car. They just, you know, they, they won't have to advertise them. They'll sell themselves. Oh, the, I mean, you, you see that with the current generation. They introduced the car here. It was already a four-year-old vehicle in Japan. They just kind of federalized it. Yeah, it's only it. been in this market for a couple of years, right? Right, right. And it was already, you know, a, a car that Japan and, and Europe, I believe, had for a few years. They can't keep it in stock. I mean, I think I last saw the day supply for it was single digits. You know, I mean, they literally can't fly off the, the dealer. Uh, right, right. And, you know, it, it's not just a small fuel efficient car. It's a really handy, all around useful little car. Um, it really is a winner in the market right now. And to know that they're actually bringing a redesign, all new model, I think it, it speaks you know, to a success story for Honda. Yeah, Honda has really figured out, you know, a sweet spot and the market changed right to that sweet spot for them. Kind of deja vu, isn't yeah, yeah, yeah. it? <laughs> what else? What else? Well, there, there's another one that I'm dying to drive. The, the VW Jetta, the, the new station wagon that they've got, the, the station wagon version, even with a gasoline engine, one of my favorite cars that I've driven this year. They've got a diesel coming as well. And the EPA fuel economy numbers on, on the diesel are 31 miles a gallon in the city 
40 on the highway. And diesels tend to actually give you the fuel economy that shows up in, in, in the EPA numbers, and they're fun to drive. And I mean, that feels like it's just destined to and be And this the is right a 50-state diesel? They can sell it in all 50 states? I, I believe that uh, for uh, this model year, they're shut out of uh, California. Okay. Uh, they're out of California, and then there's about seven other states. Yeah, California. That, New York. And, yeah. Right, yeah. Um, but it's you know, cer certainly something that uh, people in, in the rest of the country can drive. And it's a terrific car, and the fuel economy numbers, I thought, were eye-popping. Wow. And price? Where is this going to come in? Uh, with the diesel, it starts at about uh, 23600 Wow. So pretty attractive. Yeah. Right there with the, the Prius, although the Prius would still get slightly better fuel economy, it sounds it, like. It, the EPA numbers certainly are better for the Prius. Um, Real-world hybrids tend to be lower than EPA. Diesels tend to come in pretty close to EPA, so I, the, the difference and it should depends, be depends, too, right? I mean, small. if you do a lot of city driving, get a Prius. If you do a lot of highway driving, get a, a Volkswagen Sport Wagon. The, the, the you know, Sport Wagon is just a better car, as far as I'm concerned. It's more fun to drive. It's quiet. It's solid. Infinitely more useful with the, the, the station wagon body. How about uh, the BMW 1 Series? Either one of you have been in that car? Uh, you know, to me, it's about as fantastic a vehicle as you can bring out anytime. Uh, smaller end of the, the spectrum than we're used to, but all of the performance that you'd ever expect from BMW. With a twin turbo in that thing, it really is like a, a second coming of the old generation M3. Twin turbo doesn't sound fuel efficient to me. Well, if you think about turbocharging in, in the respect that it gives you power, but it also gives you more power out of a smaller package, mm -hmm. you're getting monster performance out of a smaller displacement engine than you would you know, in the traditional displacement equation. Um, but just all around, fantastic, fantastic car. Yeah, it, it, it makes the rest of the BMW lineup feel big and heavy. <laughs> it's that good. And, and looks you know, good. It, it looks great. And, and you're right. I mean, you know, 300 horsepower at fuel economy that it's not going to you know, beat a Honda Civic. Yeah. But compared to the big V8s that gave you 300 horsepower a couple of years ago and others like, you know, the Hemi that are still on the road, this thing, you know, it's, it's a miser. Yeah. What else? What else is right for this market right um, now? I think, I think we've got a couple of Toyotas coming out later this year. The, you know, a new Corolla, mm -hmm. the, the new XD. I don't know if you've been in the Scion, um, Scion XD. XD. Uh, both of those are coming with, you know, the corporate uh, small engines, the 1.8, I think, maybe the 2.4. Right. Um, right there with mid-20s to uh, maybe low 30s in fuel mileage. I think you're talking with the Corolla, I think it's uh, 35 on the, uh, on the on highway, highway with the small engine. A little right. bit less in the, in the Scion, I believe. Um, you know, in, in those, you've got more vanilla in the Corolla, and you've got a little more sporting pretension in the uh, XD, but, you know, solid offerings. You can't go wrong with the Toyota in, in buyers' minds in terms of their reputation for quality and, and uh, reliability. And sort of out of that same uh, uh, part of the industry, the Pontiac Vibe and Toyota Matrix, right. both new this year, both good fuel economy, both very good prices. I mean, you know, very nice, solid, appealing cars. I like the Corolla a lot. And, you know, I, I'm an enthusiast at heart, and no enthusiast should even be seen within 100 yards of a Corolla. But 
for the kind of people who are just looking for a nice, comfortable, easy transportation, it's a terrific little car. You can't go wrong. Seats with are very comfortable. Right. It's a quiet car. From a styling standpoint, it looks like a mini Camry. I mean, from a, from a prestige standpoint, I think it took a step up. No, uh, no one should try to take this through a slalom or a racetrack or anything like that. But if you just want a nice, solid reputation and, and fuel economy, the Corolla's got it. And Toyota's been doing that end of the market for so long now. They, they've got the game kind of nailed you know um so just more of the same from the new corolla yep, they're never going to thrill you but they're never going to disappoint you either how about uh saturn astra what, what do you guys make of that i like that car an awful Love lot it. uh, it's beautiful it's great handling good price you know the, the thing is i think most of us who are kind of in the business we tend to like station wagons more than the average american buyer out there i mean it seems like it because i still hear from people that you know they got this stigma with station wagons hatchbacks whatever but you know the astra just hits on well you don't have to get a station wagon version. right right yeah. but for me the station wagon or any you know small if there's nothing else in that class that's got a wagon right it's it just hits on every and, and single point is so functional and practical and the designs tend to be gorgeous with them and it's the beautiful. Astra is a real case in point and it feels like a European car I mean it is a well, European car. well yeah. it is European. <laughs> geez John why did you notice it but yeah you're right I mean even the the interior layout and everything like that it, it it's truly European so uh, is this good for Saturn? I mean, can they keep this kind of thing going? Nothing seems to be good for Saturn these days. Um, I don't know why, because they've never had a portfolio that's better. They, they have the best portfolio in the business, yeah. Absolutely. But I, nobody I, knows to look for it at a Saturn dealership. I, I think that's the problem. The I advertising mean, campaign has been cute for Saturn, though, with the people walking into the dealer. I love that. Walking answer. out. Is this a Saturn? You know? right. um, but the, the portfolios are, are wonderful at Saturn right now. I don't know. I don't know well, why buyers don't I mean, know what's I, there. I think, I mean, Saturn, what Saturn is, is pretty clearly established in people's minds. And to change that, you know, quickly, you just need to throw truckloads of money at the advertising. And Saturn's not a high enough volume brand that, you know, the payback is there. I, I think, I, I love pretty much the whole lineup they've got right now, mm -hmm. but I think the only way the, the time when we will be able to say if it's a success or not is when the vehicles have had you know a model cycle you know about four years to yeah. get into people's I don't know if Saturn has four years. Yeah, they may not. You know the way that this market's going, we'll have to see. But let's jump to the opposite end of the spectrum, uh, Lincoln MKS. I was surprised by it. I, I had very low expectations, and I ended up liking it quite a bit. It's, I mean, a ton of features, a more handsome car than I expected. I mean, just about every time looks I stopped... It better on the street than it did up on a pedestal at an auto show. Yeah, and just about every time I stopped and, and parked someplace, someone would come walking from, you know, 15, 20 yards away to ask me about it. It's got a ton of really good features. It's, it's not thrilling to drive, but it's certainly acceptable to drive. And what we were talking about um, earlier was that the MKS, I believe, is going to be the first in the Ford family to get the first of their EcoBoost engines. Yeah. And I haven't driven um, any variation of the EcoBoost yet, and I haven't been in the MKS, but certainly it's a product that they've been developing for a while, this family of engines, and uh, like we said with uh, Honda, this is one area where Ford, I think, is kind of hitting, you know, the right product at the right time. Mm -hmm. I have driven it with the EcoBoost. You know, still a development mule. It still has some development to go, but it was impressive. 
I mean, you know, they talk about delivering V8 performance with a V6. Let me tell you, it's better than the V8. The torque curve is flatter, it responds more eagerly mm -hmm. than the V8. Just a few little issues, exhaust note, I'd like to make them get that exhaust note a little bit better. And because of the turbo, it, it, it tends to come on, you know, a little bit with a sledgehammer. I think they can tweak that a bit yet too, but I, I'd agree with you. They're onto something there. Mm -hmm. And, but, you know, you said that the MKS is a very adequate car. I'm not sure that Lincoln, I'm not sure adequate's good enough. It's not. No. I think they need to knock our socks off they, with they that need brand. Something that surprises buyers more than the MKS will. Mm -hmm. I mean, the, the MKS, anybody who was thinking about Lincoln will almost certainly get into an MKS and love it and buy it, but it's not going to make anybody new think about it. Has Lincoln. anybody thought about Lincoln in the last five years, though? <laughs> That's the question. Well, I think anybody who thought about it now doesn't even know what's in their lineup because going to these letter MKX, MKS, I, I can't even keep it straight. Right. Their own executives can't half the time. It's yeah. Well, that goes to another car, if I can change gears here Dude. for a second, and that's the Pontiac G8. Mm -hmm. Because the, the couple days I was in that car, I can't tell you how many people asked me if it was the new Grand Prix, after which I had to endure a lecture from my brother about <laughs> the, the equity the name. in names, mm -hmm. you know, and, and why the Japanese have done such a good job of banking and building equity in these long-standing names, and the Americans throw them away. Yeah, well, and what'd it, you think about the car, though? Let's stick about that. Stick to that. Um, it's a decent car. It's, again, another Australian-borrowed product that's hitting the market at just the wrong time. Um, there's certainly, at least in the Detroit area, a strong affinity to Pontiac. I challenge anybody to go to California and even see a Pontiac on the road. I mean, Well, let me tell you, because I was in California where they held the launch of the G8 down in San Diego, and people on the street were coming up and going, what is this? And we tell them it's a Pontiac, and they're going, this is a Pontiac? They're in, in the way of saying, wow, I could actually buy one of yeah. these. I, I like the car a lot. It's a handsome vehicle. It's a really good-looking car. it's a great deal, too. I mean, you can get a pretty loaded you know, V8 for under thirty-five grand. I mean, it's an awful lot but of car again, for money. To Natalie's point, the right car at the wrong time. Right. I mean, two years ago, this could have been a smash hit. Now it's just going to sort of... But they, they, how many there. of them could they have uh, sold anyway since they're bringing it from Australia? I mean, I, I would think if they can sell 40,000 of those a year and it's 40,000 people who really think, wow, Pontiac's something special, that's probably as good as they could have hoped for with that car. Probably right, but I don't think they're going to hit that kind of number now. Again, strictly because of gas prices. Nothing against the car. It's a pretty good car, but... I mean, in the, oh, in, yeah, yeah. in the enthusiast magazine world, we're always yelling and screaming about bring V8 rear, you know? I mean, <laughs> the standard sporting kind Be of equation. Be careful what you ask for. Yeah, you got it. Uh, okay, and let's stick in the luxury end, then. Uh, Jaguar XF. A car that, uh, again, like the MKS, and, and in fact, like the uh, XK before it, um, that didn't have me really wowed by the styling until I had it in my driveway. Mm -hmm. um, I'm still a little iffy from the front end view, um, but it's a, it's a much more handsome car in the flesh than on a show stand. There are the trick things that people probably have heard about the car, the whole turn the car on and all the, you know, the, the lights come the, on, the vents open and the start knob pops up. Um, and those are certainly wow factors, but Beyond that, it's a fairly solid car. It's not as, it's not as sporty a car maybe as I was expecting, um, but man, it definitely uh, leaves the S-Type a, a 
faded memory. I'd, I'd go even farther. I mean, I, I just loved it. Uh, and I mean, the S-Type was an embarrassment to the brand. <laughs> it really was. But I mean, the XF, it's completely modern and still feels like a Jaguar to me, looks like a Jaguar. Um, some of the stuff that I thought was going to be gimmicky, like the little dial to control the uh, shifter, works. the turn, it works better than anybody else's attempt to reinvent right. the shifter. Except you're for one thing, uh, my producer here got to test drive one, and uh, it was a hot summer day, and it was so hot, he Ooh. would burn his hand to touch that metal knob. That's a good point. So they need yeah. something around it that you're not going to seat belt singe. buckles. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. But no, I, I, I've, I've got to say, I, I love the car, and I think that knowing that there's a bigger sedan coming that builds on, on the same styling and technology, uh, it, it makes me feel much better about uh, Jaguar than I did you know, a year and a half ago. And you know, Natalie, it's funny because I, I went through the same thing you did on a styling standpoint. You know, when I first saw the car at the, uh, at the auto shows, it was like, yeah, I don't know if that yeah. thing works. When I got to drive it, when I got to see it around other cars in its environment, I started to go, you know, I like this, except for one thing, the way the headlights are. I don't think they were well resolved. It, it, it's almost like it's got this cross-eyed look. It, it jumps between like the sort of pop-eyed look yeah. to this eagle eye look. And, yeah. and, and it's sort of like jumping back and forth. They kind of cut me. into the hood in a strange way, you know, mm -hmm. kind of bulge up. You're right, like a pop-eye look. But I, I think it's also distracted because the hood itself is so busy. I mean, there's a lot going on in the front end of that car. And it's not a lot of real estate to have that much going on. Right. And the grill does look like a Maserati. I mean, you can argue whether, you know, maybe that's a good thing to look like. But you just assume that it was more immediately recognizable as something different. Okay, let's go to another one uh, on the list. Anyone been in the, the Hyundai Genesis? Not yet. Um, yeah, I drove that a few months ago in Korea. Uh, the sedan. The sedan. Not that I don't. Has anybody been in the coupe no, yet? I don't. It doesn't think go so on yet. sale until next summer, I think. Um, it's an exciting vehicle because it's the first time we've seen uh, the Korean automakers really venture into this segment. Of, um, of the market. Now, there are more expensive- Entry luxury, I mean. Right. Wasn't this thing really designed right up against the original Lexus LS? Exactly, I mean, if you remember the, the original LS 400, 400, this is following the exact same trajectory. It is loaded, loaded with everything that you'd expect your standard- And not only that, but all the stats and specs on the car. You want to talk power to weight ratio? Boom, it beats everything. I'm they talking BMWs and Lexuses and you know everything that's out they've there. They've developed their own V8 engine family called the Tau engine, uh, I believe. Mm -hmm. They've got the, the power ratings of, out of this thing are right up there. The uh, amenities in the car, the way it's, the content. Um, for, I think they, they like to market it as S-class car for C-class price or something along those lines, and it really will be. I mean, you're going to get a, a nicely contented Genesis for, you know, mid-30s. I think a little bit more. I think the typical the one's more going to be gonna like 38000 exactly. with you're the gonna, VA. You're going to be pushing close to forty with it. Um, details on that car fall short in some of the places mm. where you'd maybe expect a car that's, you know, de developed to be under $40,000, but still have all the content. So, I mean, you know, if you go back a few years ago, Korea was pushing the American executives at Hyundai to start a new luxury brand with uh, the Genesis being, should they have started a new luxury brand? That's, can can, can uh, a Hyundai carry a $40,000 price tag? Did we think that Toyota could? I, 
10, 20 years ago? Did we think when Lexus came out in, 80, in the late 80s, early 90s, did we think Toyota could? I don't know. I, I personally don't think that the Koreans are there yet. But certainly this is a really, really good glimpse at what they're capable of. I'm curious uh, about the pricing, because that's the one place that it looks like they're, they may be a little bit challenged. And I, I look at their you know, base model, the uh, V6, and I you know, stack it up in you know, features and, and price against the, the Pontiac uh, G8 V6, which also just went on sale this year. And it looks like the Genesis is going to have kind of tough sledding making the argument. Is the interior of the features, do, do, does that make up for, for the difference? You know what, the difference in the amount of content you get in that car, the luxurious kind of detailing on the interior is another, I mean, we're not talking Pontiac. We are talking about entry Lexus level. Um, it's, it's quite impressive, it really is. And the, the, the amount of stuff that they are putting in this car, but from all the electronic safety standpoints, you know, uh, the airbags everywhere, the, inf the entertainment system, you know, infotainment, whatever you call it. Um, they really are loading the car up with a lot of content. It is impressive. Excellent. Okay, I'm going to put you guys on the spot now. We're talking all about this because these are a number of the vehicles that are up for the North American Car of the Year Award. I know we haven't seen everything that's coming out this year. You know, there's, a, you know, almost half a year to go here. But for the first half of the year, if you had to vote on something, Mark, let me start with you. What would you pick as the car of the year right now? God, I'll say honestly, I don't think anything that has been introduced this year will be the car of the year. Um, there, there are good cars, but there's nothing that feels great to me. If I had to choose one at this point, oh, gee, perhaps the BMW 1 Series. Okay, there's a good good choice. Natalie, what about you? I probably would agree with you, except there's another car I got to drive so far called the Nissan GTR. Yeah. Uh, I, there aren't enough, you know. <laughs> Not enough superlatives to, to... To throw into one sentence well, about this car. Okay, we got to talk about that car, but we're running out of time here for the broadcast version. We're going to leave these cameras rolling. We're going to go to the internet right now. That's one of the cars I want to talk about is the GTR and maybe the Dodge Challenger, too. We got to talk about the performance side because even with four bucks a gallon, I ain't giving up my performance. So, sure. But anyway, for this part of it, Mark Phelan, thanks so much for coming on. Natalie, thank you, too. And I'll be back in a moment with some closing thoughts. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's discussion about the new cars that have come out so far this year. And we're going to have Natalie and Mark come back again next week. But then we're going to look at all the new trucks that have come out and what kind of chance that they might have of winning the North American Truck of the Year Award. Even though gasoline prices are at an all-time high, there's still more new trucks, SUVs, and crossovers coming out. That's because the new vehicles coming out this year were all planned out at least three years ago when no one thought gas prices would jump as high as they have. But as past oil crises have shown, the truck segment is not going away. And if you like what we've got here on the broadcast version of AutoLine, you'll love what we have on our website, where there's a lot more information about the industry. Definitely check out John's Journal, my blog that covers anything and everything automotive, where you can get more of my insight and analysis and other news about this business. And join us here again next week for another edition of AutoLine, where we'll give you a front row seat as to what's going on in the automotive industry.